Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so this is part four of our four-part series leading up to the birth of Jesus. And that line we've heard many times, unto you a Savior is born. Uh, We've talked about what the world was like, what Israel was like, what God was hoping uh, this moment to be and what it really was. And now for the moment, we've probably heard bits and pieces of this portion of the story, perhaps more than the others. But it's this one that brings us the most excitement because we start to learn about how the different feelings were, were being expressed by shepherds and wise men and and the parents of Jesus and all these things. It's such an amazing thing to think the king of glory stooped down low to take on this humanity that we have and that had been degraded for 4,000 years to vindicate the character of God and to come close to us in the midst of these rude, crude surroundings in a stable with the animals, that the glory of God would be revealed, the majesty of all heaven. Uh, It's interesting that it was enshrouded in nothing. We're told that Jesus wasn't this beautiful being that would attract people, that he wanted the truth itself to attract people and become the object of attraction. So, you know, as he was growing up, Jesus shunned all outward display, riches, worldly honor, human greatness. You know, we learn these things never save a soul from the depths of death. And, and Jesus was very intentional that nothing attractive would draw people to him for selfish, worldly reasons. He wanted people to be in love with this heavenly truth and that that's what would draw him and that the character of the Messiah that had been foretold in prophecy, he wanted people to love and hunger after this. We learn these different things in the story of really the Old Testament and the thousands of years, 4,000 years or so that scripture describes leading up to this moment when Jesus was born. A part of the story or characters in the story we don't often talk about are the angels. And when they had been told this plan of redemption uh, they wanted to see how will people respond to, to the son of God in humanity. And so they had come to this land of Israel and they wanted to see how would the chosen people, the chosen nation respond as all these other nations dealt with legends and fables and false gods. They went to the land where the glory of God had been revealed so clearly, where the light of prophecy had shone so brightly. This is where they showed up. And they came unseen to Jerusalem, to the people that were supposed to be the the holders of the sacred oracles. And we're told that already, you know, Zacharias the priest, as he was ministering before the altar, the nearness of Christ's coming had been announced, that the forerunner, that's John the Baptist, he'd been born. And by his mission and, and all the miraculous birth, people knew something was happening, that there was some type of significance of this mission and the word started to get out. But still, for some reason, we see in this story, as we read it in Luke, that the Jerusalem was still not preparing to welcome her redeemer. And so you can imagine it was with amazement that these heavenly messengers looked at the indifference of the people that God had called to communicate to the world this 
you know, the, the light of sacred truth. That the Jewish nation, they'd been preserved as a witness that, that this Messiah was to be born of the seed of Abraham and of David's line. And yet when he came, they didn't know it was the time. They, they didn't see it clearly. And, and there were real no clear preparations for this advent. I think it's much like the world today. People are going on as they always have, few with the thing in mind of the story ends according to scripture. And there's a second advent based on the promise of Jesus that he would return. That, that the greatest event of the ages here in this moment at the coming of the Messiah was about to take place and yet no one knew it. And, and they continued to rehearse their meaningless prayers, perform these rites of worship that could be seen by men but they would fight with each other and they'd strive for riches and worldly honor and all these things prepared them in a way so that they would not understand the Messiah's coming. And it was of their own doing. And this indifference and apathy pervaded most of the homes in the land of Israel. People that professed to know him, but didn't represent him. Their profession and their practice just didn't line up. People were selfish. They were engrossed in the things of the world. And there was only a small group, as we talked about last time, that really wanted to see this Messiah. And so those who were excited, that's who these angels were really sent to minister to. And, and we're told that the angels uh, visited Joseph and Mary as they journeyed from their home in Nazareth to the city of David, Bethlehem, that the decree of Imperial Rome for the enrollment of the people of all the, the empire uh, it went even out into the hills of Galilee. And we're told, you know, as it was with Cyrus, when he was called to the throne of the world's empire, that he might set free the captives of God. In a similar way, Caesar Augustus was made this agent for the fulfillment of God's purpose in bringing the mother of Jesus to Bethlehem. You know, she is of the lineage of David. And the prophecy said that the son of David must be born in David's city. Uh, I think it's in, in Micah chapter five. It describes that out of Bethlehem, the prophet said, uh, he will come forth. He that is to be the ruler in Israel who's going forth have been from old, even from the days of eternity. But in the city of their royal line, Joseph and Mary were unrecognized and unhonored. Uh, they were tired. They were homeless. They're walking the length of this, this narrow little street from the gate of the city to the eastern extreme of the town uh, in vain looking for a place to rest for the night. And Mary knows this child is coming tonight. And I imagine she was perplexed as to where's a place to stay? This, all these promises, the angels that have visited us, this doesn't make sense. You can imagine as they walked through Bethlehem and they, they saw how people treated them, that finally they were so desperate that this crude building, like a barn where the beasts were sheltered, some describe it like a cave even, where the beasts lived. Finally, they realized this is going to be the spot. This is our place of refuge. And here is where the redeemer of the world is going to be born. And yet, in a strange way, you look in, this, in the world of light with the angels and heaven is rejoicing. They are excited. This is the moment. And to them, they probably don't think much of it. The creator of, of all things, the creator of these animals will be born in the midst of these animals. 
And they just have this interest drawing down to earth of what will it be like? How will people receive him? That the whole world will be brighter because of his presence. And we're told that above the hills of Bethlehem, there was gathered this unbelievable amount of angels waiting for the signal to declare this good news, this gospel story to the world. And it's a shame because if the Israel leaders in Israel had been true to their trust, they would have shared in this same joy in this announcement about the birth of Jesus, but their time had passed. And now the angels are telling whoever they can. It really is a lesson for us today. To those who are seeking for light, uh, they'll gladly accept it. And I think they'll find it. But if you're not looking for light, if, you're not, if you don't love the truth, it's more light and more truth will not come to you. So, so in this moment, you got the angels. We're told they were over the fields where, where David, thousand plus years earlier, is tending his sheep. And he had looked up at that night sky and seen all the beautiful stars. And this night, shepherds, once again, are keeping their sheep, watching their sheep this night. And in those silent hours, they're talking with each other, whispering, this, this seems like the time must be close. The promised savior, he must be near. And they prayed together that this would be seen by them in their lifetimes to see the king of, uh, that would assume David's throne. And then we're told that announcement, the angel of the Lord came to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were very afraid. And then the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, and these words, they hear them and their minds are just filled with all these ideas that the deliverer has come to Israel. That around campfires and nights for thousands of years, people had hoped for this moment. And they were just told, by these beings from another world, the angels, this is it, it is happening. And, and they're thrilled and, and yet the angel has to somehow prepare them to recognize that this savior, this Messiah, this Jesus you're gonna be looking for, he's not gonna be a king. There's not gonna be a lot of party going on that in fact, you're gonna see him in a, in a world of poverty and so humble that you're not gonna really make sense of it, but here's the sign that you'll know you're seeing him. You will find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so now these, these shepherds are no longer afraid. They've been told how to find Jesus. These angels were very delicate with their weakness and, and they, let them, they let them get accustomed to their light. And, and then... In this moment where they know they don't have to be afraid, the whole plane that they're in lights up with these bright shining angels. And these angels start to sing in a united fashion, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I don't think many people today even realize like the announcement of good news that this was to a world that was dying. I believe today that the world owes its freedom, all the good progress that we see today to the moment 
in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, without which hope pretty much would have died out. And this announcement is made that, that still rings and resounds to our day, that the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings and that he came to save you and I. So in this moment, the angels, they disappear. The light fades away, the shadows of night, they fall on the hills of Bethlehem again. But this, this image was burned into the minds of these shepherds that the brightest light, the most glorious scene that perhaps anyone had ever seen, they got to experience. And then they said to each other, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has come to pass. And the Lord, is, he's made it known to us. And so they hurried and somehow, some way they find Mary, they find Joseph by that sign that the angels had told him of this baby lying in a manger with the animals. And they see it and they, they leave with excitement knowing that the things they'd seen and heard will change the course of history. And Mary, seeing these things, she we're told she keeps them in her heart and she's thinking about them. And what did, the, what did these shepherds see in that plane? And why are they so excited? And obviously she's heard the promises. She believes them, but still as a new mom, there's a lot going through her mind. And those shepherds leave and they are praising and singing and glorifying God because of this moment of, wow, heaven and earth were so close. And today we have to remember heaven and earth are close even still today, though we don't see it. It's still this bond that Jesus himself has kind of paid the price. He's become one of us. And and humanity today is still as much the object of heaven's love and affection as when those shepherds met those angels on that night and talked with them. And that we can know in in every moment of our lives, whether we're in the, the manufacturing plant or in the kitchen or driving down the road or wherever we may be, angels can be near to us to reveal to us who God is, how good he is, so that we can reveal that to others. And this story we find that finds its origin in Bethlehem that makes Bethlehem famous uh, has continued to sound through the ages about the wisdom, the knowledge of God and how amazing that moment was and and how people today still marvel at, you're saying the king, king of a realm, king of heaven exchanged all of that for a manger? To, to be around angels and animals. And it kind of, it's a good lesson that shows us that human pride, self-sufficiency, pretty much stand rebuked in the presence of Jesus. But in this moment, this was, this was the first of a long series of lessons that we learned from the life of Jesus that few could realize that, well, Jesus becomes a man Hopefully it's like Adam when Adam was created, but instead it's after 4,000 years of sin that he becomes uh, a child of the son of man, if you will. And that's like all of us. We inherit these tendencies. We have heredity that, that flows in our veins. And I think Jesus' story shows us there's no excuse to blame things on our parents or on our ancestors and say, well, because they had this or that or the other. Now that may be, reasons we have to fight things and temptations more than the next person, but they're not an excuse to keep sinning in the same way. And I think Jesus' life shows us that because all these habits were built up over over centuries. And and Jesus, 
I say all this to say that Jesus could share in our temptations, yet he showed us an example of a sinless life. And you can imagine that Satan, he'd hated Jesus for that position he held in the courts of heaven. He hated him all the more when, when Lucifer was dethroned. And, and Satan hated him all the even more when he was born among men to redeem this race of sinners. And yet boldly, the Messiah had come into this dominion of, of humanity as a helpless baby, subject to the weaknesses of humanity with parents that didn't have it all figured out. And he allowed him to meet life in all the same troubles and temptations that you and I may face. Uh, and that there was risk of failure. There was risk of eternal loss, but Jesus is our example that by a dependence on the father, he will walk with us. And, and to remember that God loves us because he loved his son and his son has now become one of us. And as he looked into the face of that little baby, he knew the risks that were being taken, but he was willing to do those to save you or I. And he wants to do anything and everything in his power to save us from Satan's nasty lies, nasty tricks, to keep us from temptation and trouble and trial and, and to be unafraid because we know that God gave his only begotten son and that this path to restoration is one that Jesus has walked before us and that he will walk with us today. And as we look back on that night in Bethlehem, we see all this story and, and we get into this idea of how the wise men came and that, how even they were classed with the Gentiles of the world around and how they brought gifts that would be a blessing to Jesus and his family as they fled to Egypt. And it was amazing a few years ago, learning about the value of frankincense and how it's all of its medicinal properties, along with myrrh, all the medicinal properties, and then gold to help them sustain themselves while they were in Egypt. And to think that Jesus grew up in Egypt, that's a part of Jesus' life we don't often talk about in such a, a wild kingdom like Egypt at the time. But I hope this story will remind you of all the details that were put into a night to save humanity, to save you and I, and that somehow it'll become personal in our own lives to know that heaven thought of me and that there is hope for me in this world of darkness and, and sin, just like there was for those shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph and so many 2000 years ago, that God did not think heaven was a place to be desired while we were lost. Thank you so much for listening. We record these messages each week at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Adairsville. And if you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you. Stop in and say hi and enjoy some good Southern food with us. We'll see you next week.